documentaries, history, insights, interviews, chefs deep dive. And welcome to Ships Deep Dive. And to begin with, I just have to say, listen to the end because I've got a shout out to some iconic badass podcasts which you need in your life right now. On today's pod, we're going to be looking at an 80s action flick with our silent but deadly guest. It's Fat Boy Slick. Yo, 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 yo. You right? Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. What up? Yo, mofo. <laughs> Brother from another mother. We've just lost half the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Down to two now. <laughs> no, Charlotte, Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte, they're, uh, they're used to two idiots talking trash. So. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. How have you been? What have you been up to? Editing. A lot, actually. A lot. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've done um, Tim Burton Beetlejuice with Ken. His best films are the animated ones. Yeah, Corpse Bride and all that. Corpse Bride, bang on. Everyone thinks he directed Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas, but he didn't direct it. You know? So like a common misconception that he that he directed it, but he didn't. I don't know. I, I, I did he write it? He did the animation. Yeah, he, he wrote, produced. He designed it. It was it's his story. And that's that's why it looks like a Burton one. A Burton film, but yeah, he didn't actually direct it. Is you know it falls onto the category of me and Noah just going off now, but of of like Terry Gilliam, they both have their style and and they love to throw in their own little unique pieces in there. Yeah. But but um, unless they're doing something great, the, the the films could just be fall by the wayside. There's a lot of Terry Gilliam films which are like dog shit, and then you get one yeah. or two crackers. It, sometimes in it. Sometimes they're like that because they're, they're auteurs, that's what they're called. Sometimes they need, usually from the producer or whatever, they need someone to, to rein them in. <clears throat> and nobody ever reined Terry Gilliam in. No one ever did. But the stuff that they did do is his best work. You just need someone yeah. there to control them. So, like, if you take, so take the very first tra- Transformers film, right? It's not, it's not amazing, but it's the best of the six they've made, right? And that's because Steven and, it was, and it's Michael Bay. Michael Bay films are absolutely terrible, in my opinion. But Spielberg was quite hands-on in that, I believe, and kind of kept the film on the straight and narrow a little bit, although it's got some really stupid bits. But because of that, that's why it's like the, the best one of the bunch. It's not a typical Michael Bay film in the sense that it, there's absolutely zero it's plot, it, and it just explosions. Su- it always surprises me that Michael Bay, uh, uh, how, how he gets his frigging money. It's like film after film yeah they do well it's but terrible. it's just it's just it's full of action and full of near naked teen girls and and there's a there's a scene i think it's in transformers fucking three or 72 or whatever <laughs> fucking and, and I, don't know, I don't know which one it is and um the the daughter is stood there in this short the denny minister it was all over the internet when he did it and her father's out in front and he's talking to her so he's in a distance but the camera is just focused on oh her yeah ass. and it's like why the fuck was he's like doing a that? teenage it's like a teenage boy so he makes stuff that teenage boys want to see and that's why you can throw out the plot and the implausibility it's embarrassing i'm actually genuinely fuck weinstein look into this point. guy <laughs> well i don't get it harvey weinstein Oh, I thought you said 
fucking Albert Einstein. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. Maybe Albert Einstein was touching up some people. <laughs> e equals MC squared. <laughs> squared, Never squared, known squared. Never, that's so funny. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Albert Einstein. <laughs> did, you, um, did you donate to Captain Tom's appeal? Yeah, the guy who just fucking walked around the, the uh, hospital, wasn't it? I think, yeah. I think... No, he didn't even do that. He walked around his garden. That was it, yeah, that was what I mean, it's go. brilliant, but have you seen all the other ones that have popped up since? It's hilarious. It's like just old people just doing everyday things that they struggle to do. So someone, some old granny was trying to get sponsored by just walking up and down the stairs. You're joking. No. I don't, honestly, just an what's, army what's, of what's, old what? people trying to raise money, like getting sponsored to open this pickle jar. Oh, Jesus. What's that? What happens next? <laughs> <laughs> Someone, you know, sponsored them to have the heating on all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a sponsored Antiques Roadshow on. And these stars, when you pull together and for, for comic relief, I love that. I'm giving you my time. My time is so precious. Yeah, just so I'm giving you my time. When you single out next week? <laughs> oh, right. Okay, not, so this, not only isn't, that. this isn't a part of your promotional tour. No, you just so happen to have. Or. Or with the likes of the guy who's done the bloody song with Captain Tom. You know, I've not been in the public eye enough. I've not had a hit single phrase. I know, do a charity single with the man of the moment. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a number one selling artist. You know, you fucking cash in, git. I know. And then it would be profit go to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone else has been paid. Except old Tom, who pulled up. He ain't yeah. been paid. No. He's not getting anything. No, if he oh. wants any money, he's got to walk around his garden again. <laughs> I'm doing it for his click and collect. <laughs> oh. Anyway, give it, give it to the listeners. What what film will we watch? The well, controversially, I'm calling it the Christmas classic, Die Hard. A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Sit. He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Oh, so, I agree. I agree that it's a Christmas classic, it's a, even though it's it did a, come out in July. Well, is it a Christmas film? And this is what comes. I hate. I, I really annoy me with this because with people you've not known, I really want to lose my shit on them because when you're in the office weather and it, and it comes up at Christmas someone always goes is Die Hard a Christmas film it's always fucking someone called Karen or something <sighs> and I just want to lose my shit so I think a Christmas a Christmas film is a film where Christmas is part of the narrative i.e. actions happen because it is Christmas yeah so because so, the reason why I also say this is because I know when people talk about it someone somewhere said I can't remember what the film was, but they said a certain film was a Christmas movie and it's because it came out. It's like, okay, so someone, this isn't the, this isn't the example I use, but it's the equivalent of someone saying the latest Jumanji film is a Christmas film because it was released over Christmas. That to me is wrong. Just because a film yeah. is released in December doesn't make it a Christmas film. Christmas has got to be part of the narrative. Um, yeah, to me, it's it's completely a, a Christmas film, and I think yeah, you're right. In, yeah, I, I, in the I, US, I, it came I, out. I totally in, agree. It, it came out in summer. It was supposed to be the summer, Fox's summer blockbuster. Yeah. Um, so it came out, I think, 
July 88 was based at based on Christmas based in Christmas 88 and in the UK we didn't get it till February the next year yeah well again back back then these two have it we start delayed before yeah before so it was more or less our Christmas at Christmas anyway (laughs) yeah so I've chosen because I I watch every year I, I absolutely love Die Hard and um I love Die Hard 2 as well I suppose you're going to ask me, when was the first time you watched Die Hard? Um, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Um, let, and let me guess, it was a time when you were sat up late again watching films. Yeah. Were you just fucking left in a room with a TV or what? Um, so on this I have occasion... A of, I have a pission of, of a, pission? a fucking huge a vision, a pission. A pissing vision, a pission. A pission vision. Pissin vision. Like you like, you know what I mean? You was just sat there with a huge TV on a TV dinner. No, so this from, was... From your maid. This was summer, I'm going to say summer 93. Um, and my mum had gone out that evening. Um, she had a new boyfriend. And I remember staying up watching telly where we lived and it was on do you remember on ITV they used to have the film at the nine o'clock film didn't they which would play for that for an hour and then unbelievably would pause for 40 minutes for the news Fucking with Trevor McDonald yeah, yeah, I can't believe yeah. it's for like 20 years can you believe they didn't dare move the 10 o'clock news as if um, anyone's bothered I know and you just have to and you wait to the end of the very last like last five minutes to be Trevor McDonald going in bed and he'd talk about well, some, you know, again some old person doing something useless and he'd like thank god it's finished and then you'd have 10 minutes of local news so um, and get back into the film and he wouldn't even recap they just start yeah, <laughs> ice cream oh, bastards. Um, so it, I just I started, for whatever reason I don't know if I'd seen the advert for it I can't remember that much but I remember watching it and I always used to try and stay awake because at 40 minutes when you're that young when you're like 10 or 11 or whatever it's hard to stay awake beyond 10 o'clock really yeah. Um, I remember watching the first hour and just be like, and I remember just thinking, this is fucking mint. Like, I just thought it was so cool. I absolutely loved it. And then stayed up, um, post like, check out myself, wait for the, for like the rest of the film after the 10 o'clock news. And, um, I loved, I remember just walking away thinking that's like one of the best action films I've ever watched. And then unbelievably, about two weeks later, maybe actually probably a bit longer, a couple months later, they did the same. They had Die Hard 2. And I was oh, so excited, yeah. and I watched I Had To, and I was like, it's even better! <laughs> um, but I just, I loved I Hard One because I love the way all the, like, yeah, it's, it's actually more about Alan Rickman and the baddie. You, you, it's just an interesting take on a villain. And I love the fact it goes over one night, it's, you, you're concealed in one building, and it, and it play and just the way it plays out like that. I just think it's brilliant because a lot of action films, you know, spread over days and lots of different locations. I just love the fact it was just like it was the, it was kept it in add, one place. It adds just, to the timing of the of the film, doesn't it? It adds to the speed of the film because it's in one night. Yeah. And like it says, Alan Rickman to me outshines Bruce Willis in it. And it was and it was the first Alan Rickman feature film. I didn't know that until yeah, I looked into it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's mad, isn't it? It was his first proper feature film. I think he'd done he's a lot. He's fucking amazing in a it. Lot of plays on it. But it's because he had he was theatre trained and stuff like that. So Classically trained. He was classically trained. Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. And I, bet a lot, I bet a hell of a lot of people just thought he was German as well. Yeah. When he actually yeah. is English. But yeah, he's he's absolutely fantastic in that. Um, even Bruce Willis is really good. Like, I think Bruce Willis got a bit, not sarky, but just a bit 
can't be arsed in later roles. Yeah. And everything he's done since he's just he played he's a bit like plays the same one. Bill Murray the same where, character. where he really plays this bored person. Whereas in this one it's, it's a really interesting character. I love it and I, I think that was his second film. He did you ever watched Blind Day? Uh, I like Blind Day. It was yeah. alright. It was good though. It was quite it, it's always, it's obviously I think this giving to him you know what I mean? The the studio didn't want him to do it, did they at first? No, they wanted. Well, there was a there was a shitload of other people they wanted before him. Well, contractually, it was originally going to be a sequel to a film made in the sixties that had um, a detective. Yeah. It was called with um, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. So I think contractually they had to offer the the, the role to Frank Sinatra, but. In his seventies, I think he may have struggled with the UPKAs. To be quite honest, I've, I, I would have loved to see it. I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, squatting in the uh, the air conditioning vents. That is hip, hip out of place. Just, yeah, but he, he might have got like money raised for the NHS when he met on the fucking building. <laughs> he, could have, he could do it now, couldn't they? Escape, oh, Captain Tom escaping COVID in a locked down hospital. He do that next year. Yeah, he's still called Diard, couldn't you? Yeah. Breathe hard. <laughs> Piss hard. No, they don't they don't find it hard. No, no, that's it. <laughs> he put he straps a straps a bomb to a standard stair lift and he just slowly descends the stairs. <laughs> oh, sorry. And the bad guy could be the guy that he did the song with. Oh, oh yes. Can't stand him. What's his name? I don't know, but he's fucking quids in now. Oh yeah, completely. But he can be the bad guy and he just sings. You're going to die. And then it's just like this ticking sound slowly coming down a winding staircase. And that's it for the entire film. That's it for that's a good twenty minute scene. <laughs> <laughs> it took poor Tom two weeks to walk around his cat. <laughs> so... Because he kept getting stopped because of the press. How much have you raised? How much have you raised? How much have you I don't know how many times I've seen him on fucking BBC News. Like, interviews. To the point where become... he, he actually's lost what, what date is and who he's talking to. He has this helper next to him and she just replays <laughs> everything back and Uncle Tom's going, oh, thank, thank you, June. And he's like, no, yeah, it's James. <laughs> yeah, but you never actually see anyone ask him how many laps you've done. I've actually yet to see him do one lap. Has he actually that... done any? Because I think his grandkids put it out on social media and it trended. I think he's sat at home. I don't think he's actually done any. Every time the cameras come out, go quickly, get out, you done? get out. Yeah, just some I, I don't actually think he's done any. I want the money back. It's not, it's not <laughs> even want, his Zimmer. I Nick someone else's Zimmer. Proof. I want proof. I want video footage of him doing every single step. I mean, I'll watch it fast forward, don't get me wrong, but I want every <laughs> I don't think he's done it. I think he's lied. I think he's just. I think I he's got carried away. I, I think he's. I think he's the. This is. This is worse than the Chinese hiding up. This is the biggest lie that the, the world's ever seen. That Captain Tom actually hasn't any lap. This is it. There, there'll be some CCTV footage of him getting round the corner when he knows cameras are not there, pulling out of fags, just having a laugh and chat with some people. <laughs> That's it. Do you think but he's like a bit like Dick, Dick Van Dyke, where he's actually not like disabled and he's really old no. and he actually just he just throws it away and starts like break dancing around Dance. the back of the house. Goes in the house and his body popping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, back to Frank Sinatra. He didn't want the role. Oh, yeah, it was surprised me he turned it down, yeah, and I think they offered it to loads of people. Uh, the you know, you know, did you know uh, Gene Hackman probably, he was on everything in the 80s. 
Well, you know, um, you know, you know, Clint Eastwood wanted to do his own version of it. He wanted to keep it exactly how the book is, where um, the cop is like an anti-hero, supposed to be a, a real pig of a person to oh, right. work with. And uh, Clint Eastwood even went into bidding for the rights for it. That's interesting. I didn't know that. That would have been a good take. It would have been. Well, it might have been similar to that one he did, where he lives next door to that, like. Uh, Kid. That family. Yeah. Have you seen it? Oh, he, Gran he, goes, he goes nuts. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, really good film. Yeah, it's great. That's a great. That should have been his swan song, but he went and did that bloody musical. <laughs> that was wank. That. <laughs> didn't want. Didn't want to watch it. Um, yeah, they could. They ended up not not making anything to do with the book. And I read that um, they didn't actually have an ending. They started filming it. They hadn't even finished the script. They didn't have an ending. And they actually didn't know how they wanted uh, the, the Bruce Willis character to be. They were like figuring oh, out as they right. went along. John McClane, <sighs> which is a bit surprised, which isn't surprising how it came out so well. It feels like it's been well thought out and joined up. But apparently they made a lot of it up. So stuff like the truck that they drive into the car park. Yeah. Is at, at the end of the film, an ambulance comes out of it. But the truck, the truck that they drive in at the start, is it's like too small. it's too small. <laughs> <laughs> Also, did you know, and I think you see this in the film, like you says, you can tell Bruce Willis is bored now with his films. He just regurgitates the same fucking thing. But in this, you can see that he tried, and knowing like you just said then, that he, the a lot of it was ablibbed, I heard. Some of the conversations when he has with Alan Rickman, they just let him just roll with it. Oh, give him the idea. Yeah, they just gave him the idea of what he wanted to get out of it and let him let him run with it. Oh, I didn't know they were ablibbed. I like that, and I think that works well, but it's, it's, it's largely depend on the actors. And you can't imagine, I'm trying to think. So, yeah, you can, I can't, there's a lot of acts, like The Rock. I can't imagine The Rock being able to ad-lib anything. I think he needs a script. He's not naturally funny or not, he, I can't imagine him thinking on his feet to do it. So, yeah, I think that works really well, and I, really, I would always encourage it to happen. But I think a lot of actors would struggle. I can't imagine Bruce Willis, like you said, being a blib genius. I can't imagine him he just come out with these poetic bits. Yeah, but if you think about it, he came off the back of Moonlighting, which was a really funny show. So, you know, he's probably took on a lot of that, the characterisation from that and hardened it up. And I just think when he moved away from TV and just did movies, he did like one movie a year, maybe he lost that touch, I don't know. But did he see him on the promotional tour for the last Die Hard film? I saw that. Is that the one where he was pissed off doing it? Yeah, he'd like, they're like, oh, is this going to be the last one? And he just went, it's a shit name, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Like, that the, why would that happen? Is that the Russian he just, one? He, nobody went to see. Yeah, yeah. He just, I remember sitting sitting on the one show, and the last thing he wanted to do was talk about the film, and like, Matt Baker's there going, hmm, anything down here is uh, this interview. He has, he has had a reputation, or as he got older, that it would be really difficult. Like, uh, Sly Stallone's yeah. clashed with him. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he's supposed to have been in the Expendables over number two, I think it was. And then he clashed with him over the amount of money he wanted. And Sly Stallone actually tweeted, but he deleted it to say, um, he's a cheeky bastard asking for so much. <laughs> That's interesting. Because I think the Expendables is, is brilliant. I, the films are okay. But I love the fact he took these old school action heroes and did a film out of them. I think that, that was genius i actually really like slice the load i do i think it's so clever when you realize the amount of stuff is is written and directed Mm. he's got oscar nominations everything he's really intelligent and um 
I think he had really bad plastic surgery. So if you watch the first Expendable films, his his eyebrows and his eyelids like hang over his eyes. Whereas by Expendables three, they'd fixed it. Wow, a bit like Tom Jones, just sort of gets pulled, doesn't it? Do you know what? I've never really thought about Tom Jones and plastic surgery, but yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, have a good look. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have a good old look next time I see him in the car park. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the plot of Die Hard in case anyone's not seen it? Yeah, I mean, if anyone's not seen it, it's like, fuck's sake, where have you been? <laughs> well, <laughs> but let's let's talk about the plot. Yeah. Because, hey, motherfucker. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, ultimately, there is a large company who are hosting their Christmas party on Christmas Eve on, an, a, on a very tall skyscraper, which not all the floors have been fully completed. Well, they've been completed, but some of them are empty. John McClane is visiting his estranged wife, who is a senior member of the company. Um, She's a bit bitch to it. Just, it's coming, it's coming, trying to make a few amends, brings that teddy, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's for the kids, isn't it? Yeah, but... It's not for her. I know, but it's nice that he's bringing it. But did you know as well, um, the director, John John McTiernan, uses that teddy in a couple of his films, the same teddy. It's his oh, teddy. I didn't know that. He used it How for it? Uh, Red, Hunt for Red October and another one, what he's done. He sort of places his teddy in his places. Oh, that's interesting. Well, there's the guy, David Bowie's son, who makes films, oh, always yeah. uses, at some point in a film, his films always uses, Rick Astley's never going to give you up. <laughs> That is awesome. How do you put that in a fucking one on the moon? He has it as, you know, maybe someone's changing the radio station or it's someone's ringtone or something. That is awesome. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, yeah, anyway, and while they're at this party, uh, Bruce Willis is getting ready and then terrorists come in, or so you see, let's believe, a terrorist come in uh, to lock the building down. Uh, and what it looks like is that they're trying to steal... I can't remember what they're trying to steal, to be quite honest. It's a, um, it's a bit vague. They're, they're, trying to, they're, they're, they're trying to position themselves as um, wanting to free terrorists around the world, but it's just a front, because actually all they want to do is get into the safe and buy, and, and steal, sorry. Um, bearer bombs. Uh, bearer bombs. Yeah, like, yeah. bearer bombs. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So the, the bomb, they're, just, they're just criminals at the end. They're nothing to do with terrorism, and that's just a front to divert like the cops and the FBI. And... Um, and it's about that, and it's about John McClane. Mayday, mayday, anyone copying Channel 9? Terrorists have seized the Nakatomi building and are holding at least 30 people hostage. Not being known about and just trying to fight them, but I'm just kind of dis- literally disrupting the party. Yeah, because it's it, about the criminals it's not trying, on to, the, trying to kill him. It's, it's obviously not part of the party, he's not on the office list, so if they check the list, he won't be on the register to see that there was there. So they don't even realise he's there, do they? No. Who are you then? Just the fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. The pain in the ass. And I guess there's just various scenes of him picking them off. And there's just some very famous scenes, like when he's trying to escape and he falls down a uh, a lift shaft, but clings onto an air vent and climbs through. It's a fucking world-famous scene. Um, lots of explosions, lots of gunfire buildings. Um, just It's just great fun. It's, it's like, that's what I call like an intelligent action film. And Christmas is a narrative because it's a Christmas party. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. So did you, did you also know, uh, the first day of shooting for Die Hard was the jump scene, you know, the jump scene off the building when it explodes? Yeah. That was the very first scene what they shot, and 
Uh, Bruce Willis m- just missed the map. Matt, he had to land on the map. He did his own stunts, you see, a lot of those stunts. Oh, he jumped off, yeah, jumped off the building, and he landed on the map and rolled off. Like, he didn't hurt himself, but got up. And he was saying, well, what, why did you do that being the first scene? You know, that's supposed to be the last one. And the director turned to him and says, well, if you would have had an accident, it would have been easier to replace someone. I'm not having to recut all the scenes. <gasps> they thought so low of him, because he was more or less a no one. He would have just got anyone else. Well, that's strange, because... <laughs> Well, that, that's weird because they they struggled to get an actor. So when they f- did finally get one, they were willing to let him die at the start of it. Yeah. And not only that is the first promotion posters for it didn't even have his face on. They didn't even want to show him on it. I, I get that internationally because he wasn't big internationally, was it? I mean, I, Moonlight didn't show to the UK. But... Well, UK, he was good. A lot of people used to like it in the UK, but not anywhere else like Japan yeah. or lots of places. Yeah. But apparently the first screenings of it was so well that the um they even some of the bits what they cut out they put back in where he's talking a lot more they felt like his cheeky atmosphere rather than just being an action hero like Arnie you know what I mean he's he's more of an everyday man you know what uh, I mean? maybe that's what they thought maybe they set out to make a pure action film like an Arnie yeah, yeah. but it just goes to show you when they make a film the films can completely transform while you're making them yeah definitely. Um, Definitely, it's just we, time constraints, really, isn't it? And if they can get budget. away with doing a lot yeah, more, yeah, yeah. yeah, and budget, yeah. let them roll with it. But I think Bruce Willis at that time was up to try things and was up to work hard. Well, where he in wanted the future, a, he wanted a career, was, didn't he? Yeah, afterwards he was just a lazy get by the sounds of it. Just a really get now. Yeah. He does a lot of straight to video stuff, doesn't he? It's like why though? Why is he doing that? Surely How old he's is he made now? his millions. He's sixty-five now. So, so this he film, he was 35 he, or so then, or 30, just nearly 40. Yeah. So he should not be making any more diehards. Well, then again, he probably looks at himself thinking he's like a Sly Stallone. And Sly Stallone's <coughs> uh, pulling him out, and he's still yeah. the action ones. Do you know when they drop Alan Rickman at the end? Oh, yeah. yeah. I read yeah. that um, they didn't tell him. They, they did like a count to three, but they did it on like one or two. To no. surprise him, so the look of his face as he falls to his death is is genuine shock. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't throw him off the building; he, he fell from like a height onto an airbag. But he but still, that, it must still must have been a fair bit of a drop though to get that sequence in. Jesus. Well, that's why they slow it down, don't they? So it looks like he's falling for longer. Was he pissed off? Yeah, apparently he was fuming. <laughs> but it, I bet the director's looking at him going, "Yeah, look at his face; it's brilliant." I love that. Love that. <laughs> How can you be? F- well, it doesn't matter. Fuming doesn't matter. That that made his career. That opened up his career doing Die Hard. What did he do after it though? Like, he didn't really stay in Hollywood, did he? Oh, he did um, thingy straight after this. Uh, pirate, uh, not pirate fucking film. Rob, Robin Hood. Prince did of he, uh... Prince of Knickers. That was straight. That was what more or less after this one. No, it was about so that's eighty eight. And Prince of Thieves was what? Ninety one. Was it? Yes, I thought so. I was in my last year at school. That's why. Oh, am I thinking? Talk. I think I'm thinking of. Oh, bollocks, I'm thinking of Four Weddings and a Funeral. But again, that's another film for Alan Whitman. He outshines Kevin Costner in that. Oh, yeah, totally. He's brilliant in it. He's totally brilliant Absolutely in it. Absolutely brilliant. He gives it that comedy angle to it, which was needed. I wonder if he thought he was getting typecast by being the baddie all the time, though. 
I don't know. He could have well done because he did, he went back to doing a hell of a lot of theatre stuff again, which is really stretched his uh, acting abilities, doesn't it? And I think after that, you don't really hear much of him until uh, your Harry Potter stuff, doesn't it? And he was like, well, that's what I'm saying. He disappeared. That. He's disappeared for years, and I felt like when well, he's in Love Actually, I think he just loved being a lardida doing the doing plays and stuff. But apparently, yeah. on Harry Potter, apparently everyone loved him. Like he was really a really good mentor for the kids. Really looked after them and helped them. So like, they all have really lovely things to say about him. What's your favourite Die Hard one or Die Hard two? You know what? I'm I'm going to have to um, probably hurt your feelings here. I love Die Hard one. Yeah. yeah. Die Hard two. I like Die Hard two. It's it's a good follow on to it. And then I really like Die Hard three. <laughs> In New York, I thought it was—I thought it was so much fun. Podcast terminated. Three <laughs> twenty. I do. I thought Die Hard number three. I thought, oh wow, this is really good taking no, it. No, do you know what it's? Do you know what Die Hard three is supposed to be? What? Lethal Weapon four or three? It's one that supposedly it was supposed to be. It was written for Lethal Weapon. That's really? why, oh, that's, that's why, why you can get the. That's why it's a white guy and a black guy going around chasing bombs. Oh, I wasn't. Well, I liked. I liked it. I remember when it came out. It was like the big summer blockbuster. And I remember thinking, I loved Die Hard One, loved Die Hard Two, and loved the fact that they were like contained in like a, a uh, in a building or at the or at the airport, and it was set around Christmas. And I remember thinking, I remember looking out my window, and I could see like a big poster on the road for it where I lived at the time, and it was like what July. And I remember thinking. Oh my god, Die Hard 3, amazing, so I loved the first two, I was like, it's July. Although the others came out in like, well, the first film definitely came out in the summer, they're just synonymous yeah. with like Christmas, aren't they? And I remember, and the posters all bright orange and reds, like the heat of the summer, and I remember thinking, I'm a bit disappointed by this, but fair enough, you know, I couldn't have had another Christmas Die Hard oh, movie. Yeah. And I remember watching it, and I enjoyed it, but it just felt like it it pushed the boundary a little. I actually didn't like the fact that he had a friend running around with a friend who then at the end becomes a, as much of a badass as he is. You know, after you're saying about the connection with Lethal Weapon, I can see it more and more. It's the second one still contained into a small space. Yeah, the this first one, one contains just, This one's all over fucking New York. Yeah, which is great. You know, how do you expand the franchise, make it all across the city? So I kind of yeah. get it, but it's so obvious. It's not. It was supposed to be another film. And then they obviously wanted to hark it back to the first film, so they had Jeremy Irons, who, I don't know, I just don't like him. As a, I don't really like him as an actor, and I just didn't like him as a bad guy. It was him and that blonde woman. Yeah, yeah. And and then it, and in the end, they, they, they pull the same trick, and it's actually, they're not terrorists. Oh, what a surprise. They're just thieves, again. So it's, it's literally the first film, but like massively expanded. They're just thieves again, Robin, from the Federal Bank, weren't they? And yeah, uh, and he's, know, he's, I just feel like they pulled the they pulled the same trick. They did, and, and bringing Jeremy Irons in, obviously, and, and they couldn't use Alan Rickman again. But he's like a second best option from Alan Rickman. Yeah, it's like oh, well, we got cast in the first film. Isn't yeah, it? so they threw him in because he's like, well, he's British, he can do it, he'll and do it. it this time. And what is he? He's supposed to be his brother or something. It's just his oh. brother. It's supposed to be his brother. It's... But, that, but that's the thing. It's just so you're telling me you do have someone who was like special forces, German special forces, who is an intelligent thief. It just so happens that the brother is exactly the same. 
And in fact, after the first film, would they not have looked into the family history? Man, you know, there's another, his, his uh, whole yeah, family's fucking dodgy. Not only that, stopped him from ever entering America. So yeah, yeah. I didn't like his accent. Anyway, so I wasn't, and then you know, too much bad stuff happens to him that would kill him. Like when he's towards the end, when he's on the zip line above the boat, and he falls like yeah. 50 feet or whatever onto his back. I was on a tube station as well, and he's blowing up, and he's going, just running through it. Yeah, it just felt like it was, whereas the, look, Die Hard 2 is a bit where he gets the grenades going to the plane, and he presses the ejector seat, and he goes up and he avoids the explosion. Very dramatic. Yes, it is very implausible, but he doesn't take, like, 50 gunshot wounds, gets up and then starts climbing mountains to killing people like Rocky and what he starts doing in the other day. That's where, to me, it's that jumping shot when people do stuff where they it's physically can't yeah. do. Yeah. And I think that's where he loses ground as as a character and Bruce Willis himself, where the first one, he was it was his cheeky uh, lads-to-lad attitude, you know what I mean? And yeah, they just make you could place yourself and there. It, stuff and... it just becomes your stereotypical badass drunk cop and also borders the line of an over-the-top action flip. So he ends up falling into the bracket of which... To be honest, I think uh, Bruce Willis wanted to, didn't he, to associate himself with Sly Stallone and Arnie at the time. I wonder if, I wonder, oh yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because he was doing a lot, he did business with him, didn't he? Like, Planet uh, Hollywood. Yeah, and uh, there, there used to be like the action heroes of the time of Stallone, Bruce Willis and Arnie, like, ooh. Yeah. Um, have you watched the fourth Die Hard? Four no, I've not seen zero. that. You've not seen it? No. So, it's alright actually. It's about him being out of touch with the technolo- technological world. So again, that's that's established in actually the first film that he doesn't like technology. So they just it's it's all about that. It's just playing on the fact that he doesn't like technology and he's up against technical criminals. But thankfully, they didn't throw it being related to a, a thief. He just I think it's his daughter gets embroiled in it a little bit, and that's the only and so that's the kind of emotional weight added to the film that his daughter's at risk. Which gets a little bit silly. Ah, oh, right. It's, it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. It's not a bad film. Is that the one where he get, does he get a car and f- drives a car up a ramp which blows up a helicopter? Is that the th- fourth one? Oh, Something quite oh, ingenious yeah. where a, a helicopter comes to shoot at him and he drives the car up a ramp, just yeah, jumps out. Yeah, I think out so. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I remember seeing that in the, in the trailer. <laughs> I think I think that's. Oh, just you know the first one. It has the um, that. Um, his mate, or so-called mate, Sergeant Alpal. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second one, that has him in again, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, he's the cop on duty in the first film and ends up yeah. being, like, his mate and his ally. He's, like, the nice element to it. The only... He's, like... What he is, he's the sensible voice. I mean, they make a mockery of the FBI. Um, right. And then in the second one, he briefly isn't because he's been promoted to, like, captain or whatever. And he's working in LA. And... Bruce Willis's character, John McClane, just sends some fingerprints over him to double check. So you, so there's a bit of closure of his story. You see that he's been promoted and he's working and he's got over the fact that he killed a kid and then he killed a bad guy. He's, so yeah. he, he's in it just just very briefly. But then in the third one, the third one, the only relate, well, the things that throw back to the first film, the second film are the, the baddie's brother from the first film and the fact that yeah. they play on the fact that Bruce Willis's character is finally estranged from his wife so they reconciled it in the first film they were together in the second film but now 10 years on he's they've broken up and Bruce Willis is just a drunk um, and that's no, it I, th- 
No other characters. Like, no other characters from the other films right. appeared. I don't think. It's a shame, really, because I like that catalytic character that it seemed to be. But then again, you are bordering on going down the route, like you says that it'd just be like a lethal weapon, and yeah. I don't. I, I, I need to. Do you know what? I need to watch the third and fourth one again. I, it's just the first two. I just think are so like the the classics. Iconic. Really. They are. They are. They are okay. I they are, generally are watch film. the first one every. I've got, I've, I've got a couple. <laughs> I've got a couple of little tidbits of information here written down. You show that me that guy. Yeah. Yeah, so you tip it again. So that guy, um, Sergeant Alpal, yeah, yeah, you know the scene where he grabs all the Twinkies. Mm-hmm. Even to today, well, uh, I'm not sure if he's still alive, but when I was reading, even till up into the 2000s, people walked down the street and he was getting Twinkies thrown at him. That's, that's so <laughs> well, it's funny say because I grew up. That's the first time I think I ever saw Twinkie, and I remember thinking because it features a couple of times in the film. I thought they look tasty. And I was, yeah. and and then before I went on holiday, I was like, I really want to eat a Twinkie. So the first time I went to America, I really wanted to eat a Twinkie because I just seen it on Die Hard every year, and I was like, I'm desperate to eat one. And I bought a box pack of them, and super sugary, super sweet, super nice, but literally you can feel your teeth like rotting away. Yeah, you, you, your teeth tingle with that sugary. Yeah, nice I've, I've had Twinkies. When I went uh, travelling through America when I was 21, Ooh. I went to try a lot of things from America first time, and Twinkies I tried. Uh, I thought it was just too sweet. I tried a, a corn dog. Well, it's just a, like a hot dog. With hot dog on a stick with batter, yeah, yeah, and I thought it was just a bit too weird, that. Anyway, we've gone off subject. Sorry about that. <laughs> when the film eventually came to Europe, that's mm-hmm. including Britain, I clink, I'll include it in Well, it, Yeah, we were in Europe in the 1980s. Yeah, we was, weren't we? So <laughs> we came to Europe. In Germany, they dubbed over the fact that these were German <laughs> terrorists. That's so and funny. And they called they called them European terrorists. That's <laughs> funny. It's a bit, isn't it mad how you do that in films just so you don't piss people off? But do you, do you remember the film Red Dawn? Yeah. Classic Kurt, Kurt Russell, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know they redid it. What well, remade it? Remade it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then halfway through the filming, to not piss off the Chinese, they had to go back through it on, change it so it wasn't the Chinese invading. Because they didn't want to do the first one where it was the, the original one was the Russians invading, wasn't it? Yeah, because it would piss off Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and they changed it from, I think they ended up changing it to North Korea instead of China. Oh, <laughs> well, did you watch the, the Seth? What's his surname? Seth Rogen. Oh, I know film, what you mean. Where, yeah, based what? in about North Korea. No, is it good? It's brilliant. I'm not seeing it. Because that went straight to video on demand. It's because of... James, James Franco's in it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Right. It's so funny. Honestly, it's oh, so I funny. I remember there was controversy at the at the point. Yeah, because they thought it was going to incite. Yeah, because they thought it was going to incite war. And it's picked up Fuck. a clue. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. In... Yeah, watch that. It's really funny. You know, like in um, different posters around the world, then they have different ways to translate. Yeah. Die Hard might might not be worth. You know I mean, in Ameri- in France, it might be hard die or whatever. <laughs> well, what does it Serbia... mean? Well, well, actually, what does die hard mean in German? Don't know. Because die is a word, isn't it? Yeah, the, exactly. Is it the or something? Die hard. Like, die hard. The hard. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and probably, what's this well, fucking shit? That, what's this film? I thought it was going to be something about concrete, and it's. I thought uh, it's going to be about German terrorists, and it's about European yeah. terrorists. <laughs> it's been Do you know, dubbed um, over. I've been to the Nakatani Plaza. So when, really? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, 
Yeah, my wife worked there. Um, wow. Because it's it was actually 20th Century Fox's studios. So no. they, so yeah, it was actually the, the head office for the film company. Um, I I did hear that they it, they the scenes where he's running through a uh, an office was an actual office and it was still being built at the time. But I didn't know it was Fox Studio. Yeah, it's Fox Studio. So and then when we were in LA and worked there for a time, my wife worked like the building next to it. So and so it was on a street. So I used to I walked past it like endlessly, like every day for weeks and weeks. I walked past the Yakutami Plaza. No. <laughs> You've got loads of pictures for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I've got pictures. It looks the same. The uh, Obviously, the front's different, but you can look around the back where the cars go in around the back and stuff. So it, it, it's had a bit of a remodel, but the, the overall shape of the building um, no is the same. Yeah. That's a good way to save money. It's a film. And that's another yeah, part of the reason why it's set, uh, set at night when everyone had gone home. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good way to, yeah, like you said, save a bit of money there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just film at our house. Just film at our house. Well, that's exactly what it is, film In Serbia, yeah, mm-hmm. they changed the name of the film, and this is no word of a lie, and it was called Sell Your Skin at a High Price. Uh, catchy. Yeah. It just, it says, I mean, if I saw that on a movie post, I'd go, that is about a terrorist attack on a building where one man is shot. You can tell. It just says it straight away. Just, I mean, it just screams. <laughs> screams terrorist takeover. Sell your skin at a high price. Is that what you said it was? Yeah, yeah. In Serbia. So they, instead of using Die Hard, it was sell your skin at a high price. <laughs> in Japan, you know, in Japan, um, I don't know if you're aware, but in, in Japanese culture, they've got a thing about shoes. Like, you must yeah. take your shoes off to go into a restaurant. Yeah and um, entering someone's house it's really disrespectful yeah and they had a tagline underneath the Die Hard poster simply saying he has no shoes right get this for Die Hard number two they had a tagline underneath the Die Hard word yes (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was fucking brilliant he's back this time it's like anyone anyone in Japan might have gone Die Hard okay okay he has no shoes he has no shoes. Why is the fucking diehard son of a bitch? Let's watch this. <laughs> it's amazing in different cultures to think that he has no shoes. If that was in UK, you go, so fucking what? He's got no shoes. Yeah. Neither have I. Yeah. I live in Salford. We said, <laughs> I know we'd be like, oh, it's not about stubbing his feet. <laughs> he has no shoes. And anyway, on uh, the music side of it, do you know who did the competition? Oh, I did know. Music's do. by Michael Carmen. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know who that is. Uh, he's done Three Musketeers, Highlander, oh, X-Men, excellent. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. He did Wally as well, the music for and stuff like that. That's interesting. Oh, right. What a strange, bizarre connection of movies. Because Brazil. If, if you look at a lot of the film scores in the impact of 80s, other than the, like, for action films, they're still very, they're still very quite 70s. There's a little bit, if you listen yeah. back to them now, they're a little bit old-fashioned in the, dated, the way the strings yeah. are, are done. And it's really rare that a lot of people from, who made the scores in them days then end up scoring something like Wally. Really rare. Exactly, yeah. It looks like he, had, he must have had a bit of a break, and then he seemed to be connected with the DreamWorks 
team so he did B movie and he did a few others and then he he's obviously been picked up by Disney he's done Wally he's, he's on there to do a few other stuff oh right okay we've got to the point now that we can just talk and talk and talk <laughs> and the film becomes second part oh yeah that film is about <laughs> <laughs> Die Hard <laughs> well that was that was the but tagline I... for Die Hard too. Die it literally was Die Harder doesn't <laughs> even make sense was it yeah and then so I don't know what Die Hard 3 was but that's why Bruce was kicking off about the tagline for Die Hard 4 or No Time to Die or whatever it was called or 5 or I can't remember I've lost track He's got no say anyway. Play me, Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, interest. I'd be interested to know if people like people in like the twenties know who he is. Do you know what I mean? The trouble is, though, he does come out and make some crackers. If someone as a director focuses him enough, because I heard that he just doesn't get on with that many directors. They're pissed off working with him. Yeah. Like, like when he did um, uh, Glass. You know, yeah. the Unbreakable Trilogy. Uh, yeah, that actually Unbreakable Trilogy it, um, ain't that bad. I quite enjoy it. I didn't, I didn't actually fully enjoy the ending so, of how he summed it up. Is it not a quadrilogy? Oh, oh yeah, it is, isn't it? Because he got the split. Yeah. yeah I forgot about that one because that's the connection with it, isn't it? Because in that one. But when he did Sixth Sense, it shows that he can actually act. Yeah. When he did, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then he just, he just falls into this action bit. Like when he did Twelve Monkeys, brilliant acting. Pulp Fiction, it, it just plays like. A yeah, I always forget he's in Pulp Fiction, but he's brilliant in it. Yeah, he's really good. Death Becomes a doesn't even look like well, him. It's comedy, isn't it? He's quite good at comedy. Yeah. But now, yeah, what do you do now? Just just like sh- very C movies, aren't they? Yeah. Just Straight rehashes of the same Straight stuff. To video, that's what yeah. Like you would never have cast him as Sixth Sense. You could have been anyone. So why Bruce? What was what was particular about Bruce Willis to be in that maybe it was playing with the audience expectations maybe you never expected him to be because you expect Bruce Willis to be the main character don't you That when that came out yeah. so maybe maybe that's why maybe they didn't want to play someone who people thought he would be playing a trick character well it's also I don't know if you're aware of this but it was in one of Bruce Willis's contracts to begin with that in no film what he makes that he wants to get killed in did you know that? you don't have that for every film um, so then when, he's in a series of films called Die Hard. Exactly. You know he's not going to die anyway. But like when he met, when he did um, Twelve Monkeys with Terry Gilliam, Terry Gilliam's um, supposed to be really quite fierce. He knows what he wants. He, he has this look, and you fucking work with him, and he gets it done. And he got he got him to do, do all these different things what he hadn't done before. Yeah. But, you know, you can't really see Bruce Willis dribbling. He's dribbling at some points in that film. He's right messing it. And then in Sixth Sense, at no point do you realise, I'm sure every fuck has seen it, he's, he's the one. Mm. You know what I mean? All the way through it. So I wonder if he, he actually chose this, because it was, a, it was a new director, wasn't it, at the time? M. Night Shadow, blah, 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 blah. He hadn't really done anything before that. This is one of his first films. Which film? Uh, no, Sit Sense. Uh, yeah, and Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if if he did it just to think, you know what? I'll show people that I can still act. I think he just slowly went downhill. Just picked bad films. Just couldn't be bothered. I think yeah. he's still on top of his game. He's still hey, Bruce Willis films were still a thing when Six Sense came out. So what he's got coming out? Okay. <gasps> There's a new. Die. Oh my god! There's a new die. <laughs> McClane, you heard the, it first. <laughs> the original story to the popular film franchise Die Hard, yeah. directed by Len Wiseman, 
Wasn't he the judge on Strictly Come Dancing? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, is this a documentary or is it a film? Is it going to happen? Oh, it's, it reads like if it's a documentary. Well, I'm on IMDb. What are you looking at? Wikipedia. But the guy directed it has made films like Men in Black. Know, maybe Under- it's a way to just try and fund it. To be confirmed anyway. Might not, might not even materialise. Action crime. The original story to the popular film franchise, Die Hard. To, but then it's got Bruce Willis's job. I wonder if that's a retrospective look back on the franchise rather than a new film. No, trivia. This was rumoured to be taking place in Japan. Ooh. Also also are. known as Die Hard 6, Die Hardest. <laughs> this, time not got, this time we've won you. <laughs> something in its Japan. <laughs> no, it's not happening. I mean, it was a year ago that it was updated to be called McLean. It can't be an origin oh, right. story. You can't do an origin story 35 years after the original with the same actor. <laughs> I'm not the one who just got butt-fucked on national TV, Dwayne. Well, I think we've come to the end of the pod anyway. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much for having me again. No problem. So as we come to the end of the podcast, I bet you sat there thinking, what am I going to listen to now? Well, I would highly recommend the following. Take Your Seats podcast, which is a film review of sci-fi films. Absolutely brilliant. I've actually been on there as well. Trek this out. All Star Trek related films and TV programs. So funny. Such good dynamics. Prog to Who. Cracking team. All Doctor Who related. Watch the old Doctor Who. There's plenty of there to watch out there. And one which I've just picked up recently called Lil Bitch. So funny. A couple of lads ranting, bitching about stuff. You can't help but joining yourself. Very funny. Get on it. Right, we're going to depart now. Well, let me say goodbye. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'll put Let It Snow. Let It Snow. Snow, let it blow, let it blow. Right, take care, mate. Bye. Bye. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally kiss goodnight How I hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm The fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you love me so let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally kiss goodnight How I hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm The fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you love me so let it snow